It's one of my favorite Christmas hymns. Thank you. It very touched me. Uh, just to let you know that uh, Danielle wasn't up here with us receiving your love because she is uh, at home for Christmas. And so uh, she'll be returning uh, shortly from that. I would ask that everybody take your Bibles and let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third of the synoptics. We're going to start with the 26th verse in just a moment. As we look at Mary, we start, of course, the, the season of Advent with the Magnificat of Mary, this wonderful song of Mary that proclaims her great faith in, in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we end uh, this, this Advent season with the willingness that Mary had to be a servant of God. Recognizing, of course, that Jesus is the, the primary uh, person of this amazing event of Christ's Mass and the Christmas story, that He alone is the fulfillment of the messianic hope. He alone is the Savior of all humankind. Uh, the person of Mary is by far the second most uh, interesting person in the, the Christmas story. This is so true that some Christians, in fact, have actually stepped over a line and actually started worshiping her as the co-redemptrix. Uh, this became very popular in the Middle Ages as they saw her as a partner with Jesus in bringing this salvation about, an essential participant. And in many ways uh, that has grown, and then in many ways it has not. It never became accepted as Christian theology in any branch of the church. Uh, this viewpoint, though, shows how powerful Mary is and how much she's caught our imagination as to this willing servant of God. But although this, this uh, worldwide church does not worship Mary, there is nevertheless down through the centuries a fascination. And we want to talk about Mary today in terms of, of what does it mean that God chose her to bring about this incarnation, this amazing event that changed all of his story. Uh, just the facts alone about it, just as we read the Christmas story over and over throughout the, the Advent season, and we sing the songs of it, especially as we sing some of the longer hymns that tell the whole uh, Christmas story together, is that it raises all kinds of theological questions, and it catches our imagination as we put ourselves in that place, and we begin to ask, how is it that God actually works in the world? And when we say yes to God ourselves, as he calls us to be a part of history and his story in the world and, and our story. How does God act in our physical and spiritual and eternal uh, lives to fulfill his purpose? Another way of asking the question would be this. If God works in ways that causes a virgin to conceive and a dead man to rise, then how does he work in your and my physical and spiritual life? By the world standards, if you were simply look at Mary from the world's perspective as to who she is, she's a, a, a young, poor teenager. She comes from a minority group. She's in a small, occupied nation that has no real affluence within the world or power within the world. In fact, they're under the thumb of an idolatrous Roman ruler who sees himself as God. If Mary can be chosen who has no standing in the world, then what does that mean for you and for me? 
for every other person who's ever lived. What might God ask us to do if he can ask Mary to do this? As we'll see, the answer that Mary gives when given the opportunity to do something amazing with her life is that I'm a willing servant. Do to me as you have called me to do and be. So the question we want to answer today is, are we willing servants when God speaks to us and wants us to play our place in the story? Are we willing servants of God doing what he's created and formed us to do? So let's put ourselves in the moment when Mary was asked to carry the incarnated God in her young womb. What would we have said? And whether you're a man or a woman, you understand the significance of that kind of question. So let's go to Nazareth. It's a little more than 2,000 years ago now. The angel Gabriel has come to Mary, and we want to hear what he says and how she responds. So Luke chapter 1, going to start with the 26th verse. Now Luke writes, as a physician, he remember this is he calls it his autoptase, his detailed account as he went and looked at the facts. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and you remember that's the mother of John the Baptist, the wife of Zechariah. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words be to me, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now let's keep that open before us as we study these words. Father, it's a, a event, an event uh, that the story doesn't even begin to match the depth of the meaning we recognize it in symbol. We recognize it deep within our souls. We recognize it as something that changed everything. And we recognize that the, the whole world stops at Christmas 
Whether or not they understand the depth, they understand something happened, and it's changed everything. And so be with us as a people of God. Be with us as we listen today. Speak to us just as you spoke to Mary long ago. We want to be willing servants. We want to respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Psychologists suggest that there are six basic needs that every human being needs. Along with the need for love, adventure, safety, growth, two of those six are the need for significance and the need for contribution. The psychologists explain that deep within our human psyche, we need to be needed. We need to have an important contribution that we alone can make. We cannot live a life of meaningless repetition, however safe and secure it might be. There's something that just empties the soul if that's all that you are doing with your life. We need love and we need meaning. We need a purpose and we need a direction. We need to live lives of significant contribution. Now, as Christians, we would echo this observation that the psychologists have made, noting that God has affirmed within each of us a unique gift. He has stated it over and over throughout the scriptures that each one of us are a unique person within the story of God, within the history of what God is doing in the world. And so that place that each of us play fulfills the longing within us to have a significant contribution, a contribution that lasts beyond the grave and beyond anyone's grave, an eternal significance in what God is doing in our world. And so we want to know what is that. When we watch and read what Mary did, this young teenager simply says, yes, may it be so. Long before she even began to understand what that yes was going to mean for her life. The implications of the decision could not be fully understood by her, nor could they be understood by us. When we say yes to God, the risk that she was taking, the adventure that she was about to partake, both the blessing, the sorrow, the crucifixion, the resurrection, she could not even have begun to understand what this adventure was going to be. But we know, and we know when we say yes to God, that it's an adventure of a lifetime and eternity. So I want to consider with you the nature of God's call on Mary as a template for the nature of God's call on you and on me. One of the first things we recognize immediately is that Mary has nothing the world would have said she needed to have in order to make a significant contribution to history. And so often that's the way we evaluate ourselves, is not but from God's eyes, but in fact from the world's eyes. Do I have the power or the presence to do it? I remember back when my oldest son was playing baseball for Santa Barbara High, he said to me one day, he said, you know, I just want to be a great ball player so that I will have the voice to speak into the fellow players and to talk about who Jesus is. I told him, you know, my experience is that it doesn't come from that place of the world's prestige, but it comes from the place of humility and integrity that people listen to us. And it's in that place that we most often have a voice. 
That is what is true with Mary. She's neither rich nor powerful nor famous. She doesn't come from a wealthy family. She's not well-connected. She's a child. In fact, most of the scholars think that she, she could have been 12 or 13 years old, certainly not any older than 15. She was just beginning her adult life. So why Mary? What was it about Mary that made her the perfect choice for this significant work? Well, the list here would be long. I encourage you, as I always do, go to the Word yourself. Read the Luke account. Read the Matthew account. Read all the, the commentary. Meditate on why her and what did it mean and how did it fit and how did it fulfill prophecy that was given 700 years ago that a virgin would conceive and on and on. I'm just going to mention three things here that I think are good templates for us to remember when God speaks to us. First, she was willing to say yes. She was willing to say yes when the call came for her. Without a willing heart, none of us will experience the adventure that God has for us. In my own life, I was 16 when God impressed upon me that I was to be a pastor. I wish I could say that I was a willing teenager like Mary. I, in fact, ran the opposite direction for several years with many morning after regrets of my behavior. And it was not until I met Cheryl and turned back towards God when I was 19 that I became a willing servant of God. Now, I don't know what adventure I could have had had I been willing at the very beginning. But I do know that the willing heart that I turned over to God has led me on an adventure far beyond my wildest dreams or expectations. And that the blessing comes deep within and it comes from places that you would not expect. For the adventure is something that God has designed based on our willingness and when we're willing and how we're willing to do it. So what about you? It's never too late, of course, to respond to the call of God. No matter what your responses have been up to this time, are you a willing servant to make that significant contribution to the purposes of God, to the story of God? Are you willing to do that? And if you say yes to God, you will be on a great adventure. And you continue to say yes in the midst of that. Now, second, we see that Mary was willing and she was also a virgin. The absolute necessity of her moral purity, her moral choice to wait until marriage, is obvious in this story. Now, would God have forgiven her and given her the opportunity for a significant life if she had not kept her purity? Absolutely. God forgives us. That's the good news about the salvation of Jesus Christ. And not only that God uses, forgives us, but he uses all the things that happen to us to work together for his purpose and for his good. But if Mary was not a virgin, she could not have been the Mary. This adventure would not have been hers. This significant contribution to his story required a virgin, and Mary was a virgin. 
Third, we see that Mary did not know how God was going to accomplish this purpose in her. And the answer was that the Holy Spirit would make it happen. In her case, it was simple, though, of course, profoundly miraculous. But it was a biological impossibility to conceive without a father's contribution. Mary knew the facts. She understood biology. She knew how a child is conceived. She knew that what the angels were saying was impossible. Now, I'm not sure it's true of, of all Christians. I've talked to many, many Christians over many years and watched their responses and how God works. I'm not sure it's true of all Christians, but it does seem to be common that what we sense God asking us to do that is significant, beyond the grave significant, is something that we see as being impossible. I, I certainly couldn't do that. I, I don't have the capability or the opportunity. So I, I certainly could not accomplish what it is I sense you're asking me to do. But the answer that's given to Mary is, in fact, the answer that's given to me and to you and to, to every person to whom God extends his call. Gabriel says, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. In this instance, it was to conceive in a virgin's womb. In my life and in yours, it's to do some significant work that we could not do without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, overshadowing strength, presence within our lives. It is interesting that Gabriel goes on to say that age doesn't matter. Mary may be too young, she thinks, and Elizabeth may be too old, she thinks, but both will be pregnant by the intervention of God's Holy Spirit in both of their lives. And the same is true for you, and it's true for me. It's not by strength, it's not by our power, by our intelligence, by our wealth, by our education. Those are not the things that God does significant work through. His significant work comes through our humble, willing service to who God is and what he's called us to do overshadowing us with his presence to conceive the purposes of his life in ours. Now, I don't know what the messengers have said to you or what messages you've received. Mary was alone when Gabriel came. She just gives us this account of what happened to her. You know what God is saying to you. You know what his call is for your life and what he expects. And you know that he has promised his Holy Spirit to overshadow and to be with you so that he can fulfill his purpose in your life. Now that adventure is beyond anything you can imagine or think. That's why we step out in trust and in faith of the one who calls us that in that relationship we know that it's going to be something beyond anything that we could have ever imagined God could do in our lives. And we know from Scripture that each of us are going to make a significant contribution to this story, this purpose, this plan of God. So on this last Sunday of Advent, as we celebrate the coming of Jesus in just a few days, let's remember it was through Mary that he came because God worked through people like you and like me. Let's spend time with the one who came in a virgin's womb 
who was laid in a manger and who God changed the world.